chance to hear at length from one of our Wales internationals in this week's Welsh Rugby Union podcast. How are the players coping in the lockdown? Does it actually help Wales women in closing the gap on professional opponents? And why do the values of rugby help those from disadvantaged backgrounds? This week we talked to Wales women's outside half Eleanor Snowsill with some fascinating thoughts about the rugby side and also the real world outside rugby, sort of. A chance now to hear much more. Start off with Eleanor, just how are things in these strange times for you? Yeah, it is very strange times. I think at the minute everyone's still sort of adjusting, aren't they, and getting used to to what's going on. Um, for me personally, I'm very, very lucky. You know, I've got a bit of a gym going on and and a nice house where there's enough room for us all to work in individual rooms um, so that we're not completely on top of each other. So um, for me, I'm really, well, enjoying the time to focus on myself, on my training and, you know, just having energy to do things. So obviously it's really worrying everything that's going on outside, but um, all you can do really is focus on on what you can control. And that's what I've been doing, really. And just from a, a rugby point of view, on the back of a probably a slightly frustrating Six Nations period for you, how does it change things going forward? Oh, it's massively changed things for me. I think, to be honest with you, to be completely honest, I was nearing burnout as an athlete um, in December after the autumns. You know, it was great how many games we had, but it was really tough schedule. Um, you know, three away games and trying to balance working full time my work got a lot more intense around the same sort of time so for me the injury was probably a bit of a blessing in disguise it just gave me a chance to focus on my work and focus on getting better again and then the timing of this you know I would have been back playing just as we all got put into lockdown um but actually it's given me the chance to just get stronger and and fitter and work on my skills and stuff so I'm seeing it as a big positive for me. I know other players are probably struggling, but it's it's all about your mindset really, isn't it? And I suppose for so many players, that opportunity just to work on, on conditioning and skill sets and so on actually doesn't come around all that often. Quite often it, it is injury related. So to do it when you're fit is a little unusual. Yeah, spot on. So, you know, the only time you get is pre-season time. But apart from that when you're competing every weekend it's really hard to sort of push your body in in the weekdays because you know you spend half the week recovering from the game and then you're preparing for the next game so it is really hard to sort of make any big strides within season so it's such an odd time right now um but like you said it's, it is a great opportunity to sort of look at your weaknesses or look at what you want to want to improve um for me, I'm really lucky that I'm in isolation with my brother, who's also a sport fanatic. Um, and I've been taking the opportunity to learn a skill that I didn't think I was very good at before and learn it from scratch, you know, really take it back to basics. And that's definitely something I wouldn't have done if I was mid-competition. What's the skill? That begs the question. Oh, yes. So place kicking so I've always struggled with place kicking so much so that I switched from kicking with my right foot to my left foot because I just had a bit of a mental block with my right foot and I was really frustrated that it 
wasn't going as well as my out of hand kicking was. So I switched to my left foot for a couple of seasons, which was fine. Um, you know, I was fairly accurate, but I knew that I wouldn't get the distance and I knew I was limiting myself. So two weeks ago, I just took, um, swapped tees, just got to a really basic tee, um, you know, didn't fuss with where, how the ball was and just started getting loads of reps out with my right foot again and really focusing on, you know, the, the right technique. And it didn't matter where the ball went. It didn't matter if I was awful for the first hour of it or whatever, because, you know, I don't have a game coming up, so I don't have to panic about getting them over and being accurate. I could just focus on the actual skill itself. And actually, I've I've made a real breakthrough with it, so I'm really excited about that. So you'll be really excited about getting back into action, presumably. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, well, the longer we're in this situation for, for me personally, hopefully, just the, the better it can get. And, well, hopefully I'll see a difference when we get back to competing again. Now, obviously, there's been a massive impact on the wider women's game. Now it's mostly moved to the summer and that's plainly not going ahead. But for yourself at the elite end, how much of an impact has the, the lockdown had? Because you've still got those forward-looking goals to aim at. Yeah, so um, for us, it's sort of, obviously, we had our Six Nations cut short, so it affected us there. And then a lot of us were you know, expecting to go back to our Tyrrells uh, Prem clubs to compete at the end of the season. So you know, we've missed probably about seven games in that sense. And then we would have been on a rest period and then we would have been going into our regional pre-season programme. So I'm not sure what's happening with that yet, um, but I'm just going on the assumption that I, you know, just keep myself fit and stuff. For us as a squad, we've kept in touch. We've obviously got a group with all, I think there's about 45 players in it from both the sevens and fifteens programme and our staff as well. And we've been given a very thorough, detailed workout plan for the week, weekly planners, um, and they include two speed sessions, two running sessions, three sort of home workout sessions that you can do with or without equipment. And then there's like a, a fitness challenge every week as well. So we're keeping in touch with each other as, as a team. People are posting up their scores and stuff like that. So obviously, as athletes, we're used to constantly being in competition. So losing that competitiveness can probably affect some people's motivations to continue training. So I think that's good because it keeps a little bit of competition going. For yourself, as someone who's you know, been involved in, in the Wales women's game now for a, a decade or more, are your targets changed in any way because of this? The, the World Cup next year, that was your number one target, was it? Yeah, I think we, obviously, that's one of the targets that we had. As a sevens programme, we were also targeting to get back into the top tier of European sevens rugby um, and with some more goals down the line with that. So, obviously, all sevens has been cancelled for the foreseeable future there. So, that's affected our sevens uh, targets massively. Um, With fifteens, you know, as far as we know, the World Cup's still going ahead. So, we still continue with that. And I know I've said it before, but I'm just seeing this as a great opportunity for us to train like professionals, you know, and I think that's one thing that obviously we all know the top teams in the world get to do, but we've actually been handed this opportunity now for one, two, three, however many months this lasts to train like professionals. And we can make so many gains in this period that I just think it will put us in a better place, you know, looking forward to the next World Cup. So in a funny sort of way, we looked at the the gap between the the much more professional, much more money setups of England and France during the the Six Nations in particular. In a curious way, does this help close the gap a little bit? 
Well, you know, as individuals, 100%, because um, we're all on the same footing now. They're in exactly the same position as we are. Um, most athletes, you know, will probably be without, you know, a full gym equipment set. So everyone's sort of trying to work around that. And it and it's it, it absolutely, for the next however many months, sort of levels the playing field out a bit. Um, I think we're taking more strides ahead. We started to work with a female-centric nutritionist and we're all getting individualised meal plans. Um, and again, that's something we now we've got the time to actually invest in you know we've got the time to prep our food and cook really nice healthy meals whereas before it would have been trying to manage it around you know full-time work so you're right it definitely as individuals gives us the opportunity to close the gap slightly interesting yes and and now you were in, in an analytical role during the the six nations but on the back of that november series that had so much exciting potential in it playing at the principality stadium against the barbarians as the climax of it going into the six nations campaign how do you assess the the state of the wales women's game looking ahead to that next season and the world cup i think if you look at results on paper it's not a great result for us and we are really disappointed as a squad with the actual results and the overall outcome of it that is definitely something that hurts as as players but then if you look deeper and you've always got to look deeper into things Ireland and Italy were both on very different schedules to us because they originally had the World Cup qualification tournament. They had to start peaking around about this Six Nations. For us, you know, we're in a slightly different position because we've already qualified for the World Cup. So we're still working towards that sort of gradual end goal of the World Cup rather than peaking now. For me, I think our defence is excellent. And I think, I know you look at that and you look at the sort of amount of points we conceded against France and England, but that's because we're defending for long periods of time. If we could improve our retention of ball and our attack, we'd defend for a lot less. And I think our defence would be a lot more watertight then. For me, defence is a big part of attitude and heart and commitment. And that's something you can't coach. So we've got that already. It's just about sort of improving, you know, our attack and how we keep the ball. And that is something that you can, I believe, you can change and work on pretty quickly. So I know results aren't great, but for me, I'm not panicking at all. We're going in the right direction. And yes, there's lots of stuff that we need to improve on, but I have no doubt that we that we will uh, by the time we get to the World Cup. And lots of young players coming through. And they're coming through into a very different environment at the international level than maybe when you first emerged. Oh, the environment is so different. Um, you know, when I was first around, it was just, well, I think the game was still very much a minority sport. And there's been huge changes in the last decade. One of the big changes for me has been televising the sport so putting all our six nations games on tv and that does multiple things firstly it, it makes us into role models which means you know we have more onus on our training and our lifestyle our lifestyle outside of rugby because we know there's you know younger girls and boys coming through the system who are looking up to us secondly it, it makes people care about the game um, and if they care about the game, they're going to start speaking about it. They're going to start questioning things. And it just sort of shines a bit more of a spotlight on our game, which is, you know, for me, only a good thing. Yes, it's tough if we don't get the results. But at the same time, it's only going to push us to get better. So 
it's a very, very different environment. It's a lot more professional. The demands are way bigger, um, you know, even just in the last two to three years. So in the last World Cup cycle, the physical demands of us in training uh, have gone through the roof. And I think that's because we are now competing with professional athletes. So, yes, it's very different. <laughs> and just to talk a bit more widely, I'm very interested in in what you do I was going to say outside of the game, but I suppose outside of your own playing side, you never get away from rugby. You're involved with the School of Hard Knocks. That's the, the day job. Just talk me through how that's working at this time. At this particular time during lockdown, it's a really interesting situation. It's one I find really frustrating because um, I'm a little bit of a, I like to be in control of things. You know, while I'm happy with sort of focusing on what I can control myself, what I can't control is the people that I work with, the kids that I'm a mentor to. I know a lot of them have really, really difficult home lives. Some have are in situations that we can't even imagine and we can't even, you know, you just wouldn't believe is happening in our own city. Um, and that's stuff I know has gone on in the past and is going on now. And for me, I find it really, really frustrating but that there's nothing I can do about it. And that's the one thing that I'm probably struggling with most during this lockdown is we can't really contact them we can't check in on them we can't support them and you go there's some kids some girls in particular that I've been working with since for about three years now we're into our third year with them so you build up such a good relationship with them and uh, the most we're ever not seeing them for is six weeks during the holidays and even that is long enough yeah it's a struggle we have been doing so, you know, you obviously try and do what you can. So we've been doing YouTube videos with little challenges for them, mental, physical, you know, well-being stuff. That's as as a staff, as a UK-wide staff, School of Hard Knocks, we've all been chipping in and helping out with that. So over the next few weeks, there'll be loads of different videos coming out with different challenges. So at least in some way, we can still keep engaged with them. But yeah, it's the unknown and, and it is going to be, whenever we get back into schools, it's going to be really, really tough to try and pick up the pieces of whatever's happened to them, you know, over this over this time. I suppose maybe I've got a little bit ahead of myself. Just explain, for those who don't know that much about the School of Hard Knocks programme, what it is. Because it, it's, a, it's a wonderful programme and it's based around the values of, of rugby. Yeah, it's, it is brilliant. Um, you know, I'm very lucky I found my perfect job. So School of Hard Knocks use rugby as a tool to um, sort of support people and help them reach their potential. So uh, we've got two sections, adults and children. The adults is an eight-week intensive course to get them either back into employment or education or training or, or anything like that. Um, a lot of the adults we work with have hit rock bottom. So whether that's, you know, they've come out of prison or addiction or suffered some abuse. Um, so that's the adult situation. And then they realised a lot of the adults were saying, look, if I had this in school, my life would have been so different, you know, could have really helped turn my life around. So then they decided, right, we need to get into school as well. So I work for the Welsh Schools Programme in Cardiff um, and we're currently in four different schools so we go into the same school every day so on Monday I'll be in one school Tuesday different school and we work with then the same group of kids every day for up to three years we do boys and girls groups separately during the day so we do a lot of personal development with them in the classroom 
teaching them stuff that maybe they don't learn at home or don't learn, you know, they haven't got the time to sort of learn in lessons. We also then do a lot of rugby training, make them into a team, play matches with them, take them on trips. And then we also do one-to-one mentoring um, around that. So the types of kids we work with, you know, this really varied. Some of them might be in there for confidence, behaviour. Maybe they've been through or seen some horrendous things as they've grown up. So, you know, real varied sort of bunch of kids but it's always ones who just need that extra support and you must see some great success stories through it which must be enormously rewarding yeah it's just unbelievable what rugby can do and I get I always get asked why rugby and why why not any other sport and there's a few key reasons for that um one of the reasons is the respect for authority that rugby has in its game a lot of Kids struggle with authority, whether that's teachers or parents or police. In rugby, one of the main big values of of rugby is respect. You know, you respect the ref. So that's one thing. And then the second thing that for me is really key is the physicality. A lot of our kids can't express themselves verbally or they've got some emotions that they just can't deal with. And, and often that the only way they can express it is physically. So they'll get into a lot of fights in and out of school. And rugby just gives them the opportunity to channel that aggression and that frustration. You know, where normally they're getting into big trouble if they've if they fought someone, all of a sudden you put them on the rugby pitch and say, right, just go out and put in a huge tackle or run with a ball until, you know, someone stops you. And they get applauded for it. And that change in attitude towards being physical is huge and you just see in a lot of the kids you see this light bulb moment where they just get it and then from then on they're obsessed with rugby they're obsessed with school of hard knocks and it's the one carrot you've got then to try and help them with their behavior in the rest of school and the rest of their life and do you see that benefit in terms of their school results their school behavior all the other aspects yeah, it's, it's different for every single individual. So some kids will pick it up within a month and you see huge improvements straight away. Other kids, it can take a year, a year and a half. And sometimes you think, God, is this going to work for them? But it's just, you know, you've got to remember we've only got them for two hours a week. The rest of that time, they're sometimes in quite a negative environment, environment either at home or or wherever else, you know, in their friendship groups and stuff. So it takes time, different time for different kids. But it's one of the things that we do. So we have kits, School of Adnox t-shirts and hoodies and baseball caps that we give out, rewarding them for good behaviour in the school. So um, we track all of their negative and positive behaviour points and their attendance. And we'll set them little targets, personalised targets. And if they reach them within a couple of weeks, they earn a t-shirt or they earn a hoodie. And so that keeps them on track as well. When they come through at the end... Of that three years, it must it must be quite an emotional period. But to see the change over that three years must be quite something. Yeah, it is. And, you know, there's always ups and downs. And there's, you know, there'll be times where you think, God, are, you know, are they going to make it? Are they going to succeed? And, and then you actually think to yourself, you remember day one when you first had them and they were fighting or they were storming off or they were arguing with you. And, you, and then you realise, actually, look how far they come. And I think I would love to do a documentary on it. I think it would be brilliant um, just to really see, because for us, sometimes we forget because we're with them every week. But if we filmed them at the start and then filmed them at the end, the change would be incredible. And at the end of every school year, we hold a graduation where 
we get all of the kids that we work with across South Wales in one school. The last couple of years, we've hosted it in the Principality Stadium, and we get we get them from all the schools in in one room and hand out certificates, talk to them a bit. We normally get a guest speaker along as well. And, you know, if you think at the start of the year, we're working with kids who the school advise, I would never put those two kids in the same room together. No, you can, you know, you can never put those 10 group of boys in the same room together. And suddenly now we've got 200 of the, who have been labelled the worst behaved kids in South Wales all in one room. And you think to yourself, oh my God, so much could go wrong here. But it's always just a brilliant day and, and the kids are just brilliant. And it just shows what you can achieve if you give people the chance and actually build relationships with them. Many people who have seen the documentary with uh, Scott Quinnell, Will Greenwood and the School of Hard Knocks. How different is it? That's That was um, mainly, I think, entirely adults, wasn't it? So how different is it with your grouping to what people will have seen on TV? Yeah, that's a really good question. It is slightly different because the adults has to be a lot more intense because they've only got eight weeks to do it in. So we can be a bit more subtle with our approach to it and a bit more gradual. At the same time, the adults have reached a rock bottom and they're there because they know they need help and they want help. And when you're working with someone who needs and wants the help, it's, you know, you've already crossed that barrier. With a lot of the kids that we pick up at the start, either they don't realise they want the help or they they need it or, you know. So it's, you've got to, there's a lot more onus on building the relationship with the kids first before you try and help them. And that's something I learned very quickly right at the start you know it was a real learning curve for me I sort of I could see where they needed help try to help them straight away but didn't actually take the time to build the relationship first and then you don't succeed so for us when we start with on with a new group the first half term to term is all about engagement playing competition games with them team building stuff getting them laughing getting them relaxed and uh, finding out you know what makes them tick and then you can start looking at you know them personally and and how you can make those changes because for yourself you've got a psychology background a nutrition background obviously the elite rugby end do all those mix in to to help different sides of this role 100 percent, they do yes so the psychology background really helps. Obviously, um, some of this stuff that we're dealing with can be really sort of high-end mental health issues and behaviours. And I think the understanding I've got of that from the degree really helps me. Uh, we do have behaviour specialists working with us as well, so I always work pretty closely with them. But yeah, that really helps me understand and look past what behaviour the kids are presenting, you know, and and look at what their motivations are and what's driving that and that's what you've got to do and I think it's really hard for teachers they these days they haven't got the time uh they're working with 30 plus kids they haven't got the time to sort of really look at why they might be misbehaving but that's you know exactly what we're there for and then the nutrition stuff has really helped me so I started to realize I was I was pushing the girls a lot more in training with sort of a bit of fitness and you know just sort of testing their mental toughness and then I realised that a lot of them hadn't eaten that morning or hadn't eaten that day. Some of them had started opening up to me about maybe having sort of eating problems and that sort of thing. So I then developed a nutrition model to try and get them to see themselves as athletes and, you know, as as needing food to make them better at rugby. And I think that really, I was actually in the middle of it when we got put into lockdown, but 
we it opened up some great conversations and you know that definitely helped me as well so when lockdown ends and you do get the chance to go back into the schools and do get the chance to continue with this work there's there's still plenty to to get your teeth into Oh, God, yes. There'll be even more now that we've been in lockdown. So after every single holidays, all teachers will know this, but after every single, even if it's just a half term, the first week back after holidays is manic because the kids have been used to staying up all night and waking up at, you know, midday. They've maybe not eaten enough or eaten rubbish. Um, so, you know, they they used to being in bad habits and the first week is... is really tough as the kids adjust to getting back into school so imagine having four or five months of that or however long it's going to be and then trying to get them back into the routine of school dealing with whatever's happened to them you know while they've been away we're going to have absolutely loads on our plate we've already started developing a well-being module uh, just to sort of help us as we get back in you know talk to them about the changes of routine and, and this and that you're making the most of this period, but when it does all come to an end, both on the rugby front and on the professional front, you're going to be mighty busy, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I am. And, you know, I think that's something I'm going to be looking at and thinking about over the next couple of months is I don't think my lifestyle beforehand was sustainable. Um, I don't think I was given 100% to both my rugby and work because I think time constraints and it was it was just impossible and this lockdown has made me realize that and you know now I'm able to give 100% to my work and 100% to my rugby I need to think how can I slightly change my commitments or my lifestyle to make sure I'm given 100% to both so that's something I'll be looking at and considering over the next few months. Well Eleanor good luck with that uh, we look forward to seeing you back in action on, on the rugby pitch soon it's been really fascinating to hear about the the stuff outside of your own playing career as well. Good luck with it when it all uh, does come back. Thank you very much. Well, swimmers player Eleanor Snowsop. So, some really interesting thoughts there. One good thing about the lockdown is the opportunity to hear from some of Welsh rugby's interesting characters at greater length. Keep listening next week to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast to find out more about how the WRU is helping in the lockdown. Until then, goodbye and stay safe.